Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Roker Report podcast, episode 61. We are sponsored today by SAFC North Yorkshire. We're just talking into some Kets now, lads, aren't we? Hi. Very nice. Yeah, uh, love hearts. That's one for you, Bromley. says, dream on. <laughs> 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 the picture will be up on Twitter shortly. But it's already it's, um, up. Oh, it's already up. It's a, it's a lovely, lovely set of sweets, like, isn't it? Lovely. What have we got? Let you know. Watch it up. We've got um, candy sticks. They'll probably last, like, for the next four weeks, that. Aye. Aye. Um, fruit salads. There's some like weird anal beads type things. Oh, yeah, wambos, remember them? Aye, fucking on. Sherbet. Um, refreshers. Mm. I had a refresher before. Gab, oh, Gab's that, not working. That yeah, yeah. Sherbet fountain. 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 All sorts of stuff. Well, we're very grateful. Thank you very much to SFC North Yorkshire. Give him a follow on Twitter. He's a uh, good Aye. crack. Very good crack. We are easily bought. That's what I said a couple of weeks ago. Aye, Just very easily bought. Just to let anybody bought. know we are easily bought. And there's, um, there's Two a, weeks of sponsorship for a sponsorship. Uh, the sponsorship deal is about to expire when these sweets are finished. So yep. if anybody wants to get in touch. So if anyone like from Milan Carter's listening, we wouldn't mind a free mm. steak. Jamie <laughs> Oliver's maybe something yeah, like that. Something like that. Aye. Sound. Right, we'll jump into the uh, the three-word review. Of what? The game or the sweets? <laughs> we can do the sweets if you want. We can get an introduction this one. I'm going to be a street. Oh, I, sorry, I haven't got a new guest. We've got Gav, as always. How are you doing? Professional intro, yeah. How are you doing? I'm fine, yeah. I'm actually not. A little bit sick. Bromley? Probably tell us how a bit no, like Katie, two Katie Bromley. Hopkins. I know, that was what I was going to get on to. Uh, Bromley one. Which one's that? Is that Connor? me? Uh, Hi. Hi. Christ, so we'll just start this again? Nah, let's keep going. People, let's keep going. Right, like <laughs> we've, got, we've got Connor Bromley. How are you doing? Um, can I complain? And we've got Connor's infinitely better, bigger brother, Niall. How are you doing, Mid? Uh, yeah, good, good. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, thank Named you. after Niall Quinn, as we found out last week. That's true. He's yeah, an older brother. Sure. He's actually shorter than me. So. Yeah, really matter, though, so better looking. Much better looking. Better hairline. But, uh, He's actually got a worse hairline than me. He's wearing a hat. Wearing a hat. Look. Oh god, it is the, it's the <laughs> hereditary hairline. It's like the brothers with the bad hairlines. Fine, mine looks worse because I'm blonde. Right, moving swiftly on to the three-word <laughs> review. We have Michael Luff says "fuck off, Sunderland." Chris Cam says "leaving early acceptable." Jade Hocking says "fuck my life." Spencer Vignes says "storm clouds coming." Graham says "kill Billy Jones." Reese Benson says "need more rockets." Craig Davy says "Coleman regrets piling." Don't know what he means by that. Um, SAFC Dolphin says League One bound SAFC North Yorkshire says a complete embarrassment Johnny Goldsmith bring on Gillingham Mark E Ferry Home ruined Ferry Home I wonder where he come from Ireland maybe or maybe just Shields Alex McCain says foot in the grave Mark Carrick League One confirmed Noel H same old story um, they're all very very negative I wonder why Aye. well <laughs> from a personal perspective it's the first time I've ever left the ground at half time. Ooh, I've I've left before half time actually once, and that was against Norwich. Do you remember yeah. when we got beat? I think we got beat two. We're getting beat two nil. Uh, under um, be three one in the end, I think. Uh, it was a yeah, I, I think I left after like twenty odd minutes. And to be honest, well, I didn't even I didn't even feel guilty when I was walking away from the stadium. I didn't feel guilty. I felt elated because I got to squeeze in a two hour nap before I started work. At <laughs> the only reason I stayed was literally because I thought I'm I'm on the podcast. I'm gonna have to write about it. No. That's literally the only reason I thought I'm staying. All right, God, and then I'm even then, me, even then, as soon as we went one 0 down, like, I, I, I tweeted about this mentally. I switched off. I just thought, nah, can't be bothered anymore. Just turn around, talk to the lads. You know what I mean? Like none of us were bothered. In fact, we actually started laughing at how bad things were. How easy like, was it for Brentford though? I mean, after after seeing the way we came back, all, all right, two goals weren't scored by our players in that game down at Bristol, but 
we at least got at them and you know we got we got a bit of luck we had to build on that there was no way of there was there's no there was no other way of looking at it you know that i think everybody going in that game knew that the players just had to turn up and they didn't um the day before the the club tweeted a really good video which was like i think it was, it was kind of like trying to get people people jade up for the match you know and, and it worked for me like i mean i watched it and thought oh great hope the short the players that's what i put on my twitter account and i mean it was as, it was as though like nothing had happened the week before it was yet again that nobody turned up apart from a couple of the kids and Asoro looked decent didn't he right. Asoro was That's the, the main far and away what only yeah. player who even looked championship decent <laughs> he was he was good I would say he was good he was the only one on that, that whole team who was good everyone I mean, else was to an, ex- to an extent I'd say he wasn't good I think he was the only one who was trying to force the issue yeah, he was trying to uh, take th- on first players half, first half there was a load of times he, he was just running for running sake and not really getting past his man but to be fair he had to try and do something. I won't slate the lad. I thought he, I thought he was our best player by a mile. He was. He did. He did have a chance. I think to pull it back for either. I think it might have been Robson or Honeyman, but he just held on for too long. I think at one nil. I think mm. and possibly a bit more experience there could have got us back in the game. But I mean, I think it's just he stood out because we were so bad. It's not because him being fantastic. No, I think it's just because we were so poor. Uh, I've got a question from Alex McCain. I'll throw to Niall for his, uh, his speaking debut on the pod. Are we simply just not good enough? It's starting to look that way, isn't it? Um, I didn't think like that, to be honest, originally. I thought, you know, at the start of the season, I was like everyone. I was like, we'll get a good patch, we'll get enough to see up, we'll go through a run, five or six games, and that'll be enough. And I think once we beat Fulham, uh, we had Birmingham at home after that, and I think everyone thought, this is it, the turning point. Didn't happen, and, that, you know, that's happened three or four times after Hull. We thought, you know, Birmingham next, massive game. Didn't happen again, and then it's it's went and happened again. We come back three goals down, something that someone do not do, never do. We never come have a comeback like that, um, and and we can't even build on it. And we're at mm. home against a, an average side. Don't want to sound disrespectful to Brentford, but they are an average side, really. Um, we're at home. We, sh- we should be beating teams like that. And I look at it now, and yeah, I am starting to think we're going down for the first time. I think since the start of the season, I am actually saying yeah. We are, we are getting relegated. We're going to be playing League One football. Connor, is Coleman getting it wrong at the moment? Uh, I think he, he probably is. I think I looked at his team selection. I was happy he went four at the back. But then, again, he's shoehorning players in the wrong positions. You know, he's putting Clark Salter at left back and then he's playing Browning at left centre back. No, he's playing... Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, that didn't make any sense. Browning was so uncomfortable in that first half. You could just see that he, he wasn't... Everything was a long ball, wasn't it? Yeah, because he, he wasn't comfortable on his left side, right. so he was having to punt I it. I looked at yeah. it. If you look at Browning's... I did, did a wee bit of research on Browning because he was frustrated as his long passing. But if you look at his long passing, you know, he's 47%. But his passing altogether was 47%. He's connected maybe one long pass a game. Yeah. And it's, it's steadily getting worse. 60% against Bristol City. 38% against Birmingham. His passing percentage. You can't have a player in your team playing outfield who's who can't pass a ball and that that's really what we've got with him ah, he's got a bit of pace and he's good at a last ditch tackle but at the minute I think he's, he's sort of hurting well. playing no he should have started Matthews I don't know why he persisted with Jones Jones was horrendous he was so I think, poor I, think I, I actually said before the game Jones should start purely for you know the part he played in the comeback um, but he was horrendous um, I'm, I'm very defensive of Coleman when people give him stick because I think there's a lot more gains than them going for him. Mm. But when he comes out after the game and says that he dropped Oviedo for tactical reasons, probably our best player, I would say. Our best player dropped for tactical yeah, reasons. I agree. To play a centre-half out of position, difficult. Um, Look, I mean, I don't want people to listen to this and think, oh, they're, they're getting on the, the, the manager's back. Not at all. Uh, not at all. I, I 100% think, the right man for the but job. It, oh, it was yes. just, but he's not infallible. But he's if, not. If you looked at, like, their wingers had 14 successful dribbles, like, between them. That's like... One every ten minutes. That's a winger's dream when you look look you know, that left winger must have looked at Jones and O'Shea and thought, get it. And you could see yeah, it as well. Yeah. Every time the ball went to the wing, we just looked like we were gonna get beat every mm-hmm. single time. When, even when we were doubling up, tripling up on them, but just didn't look like didn't look like getting the ball. Just just on the um on the Chris Coleman case, we've got an interesting question here from Connor O'Neill. He asks, what's the pod's thoughts on the style of play and game plan? Are the players ignoring Coleman's instructions and panicking on the ball, or is he telling them telling them to play along? Does any fault lie with the manager as it stands? Well, he came out after the game about that, didn't he? He says, you know, if I was seeing these problems in training, I'd be worried, but I'm not. He was talking about misplaced passes, and he said, in training, there's none of this. And then as soon as the whistle blows, heads go. And he, he he's put all of, the, all of the blame on the players with his comments. I've seen a couple of people give him a stick about that as well. 
Um, but he's protected them in the past. But he's right, to be honest. You know, he's he he sees these players every day, and he knows which ones are up for it and which ones aren't. And he said, you know, he's going to take a squad of players who are up for it to the next game. But what does it tell you about the players that he has got? The ones that are up for it aren't good enough. You know, we've let good players leave because they weren't up for it. But would we have been any worse off with Wabi Kazri if we'd told him to say? And said, "Nah, you're staying." Well, I did the um, the loan review. You edited, and we're looking yeah, at yeah. we're looking at the records. You got Barini coming on late in games, scoring. Wabi Kazri scoring. Lens isn't really doing much in Turkey. He's he's it's, kind of second fiddle to Ryan Babel, but he could have really impacted yeah. the championship. It's, for us. it's difficult. It's difficult, isn't it? It's do you do you force these players to sell their contracts for Sunderland, even though they don't want to be here, or do you let them go? But their alternatives aren't good enough because. Which I mean, where would we be with those players? You know, would we be any worse off? And and they looked and Kazri and and Lenz looked arsed in pre-season. I know you can say they were possibly mm. playing for a move. They were, yeah, yeah. But take take Lenz out of the equation pre-season and arguably Kazri as well. It would have looked a lot worse than it did, and it wasn't a great pre-season to start with. No, but we we I, I'm I'm really struggling on this. I've I thought about it a little bit, and I'm like, you know, was it the best thing really getting rid of those players? I mean, that uh, Le Keep article on Kazri showed that we were still paying. Uh, what was it, forty thousand euros a month yeah. towards his wages? Ten thousand. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So, so get, in getting rid of him, we haven't benefited really at all. Do you think though? Do you think these players might have wanted to stay if it was Coleman that, that at the start of the season, if it wasn't Simon Grayson and it was actually Coleman who point. was the manager? Would would of these players have thought? You know what I mean? Because Simon Grayson, no disrespect, the bloke, but you know, for players like Lens, you know, players who played in the Champions League and that, are they going to look? It him, and are they going to think you know Simon Grayson's going to inspire me mm. to you know to be a good foot, a better football, whatever? Are they going to look at that? Maybe Chris Coleman, they, they might have thought potentially with his charisma, personality. It's a strange situation because I think I don't think we'd be where we are now if we'd started the season with Coleman, but it's mm. could have would have shown isn't it. It is what it is. He came in later on in the season, um, but it is worth pondering, isn't it? Would yeah. would we have been any worse than we are now? Making those players play for us, saying, "Ah, oh, nah, you yeah. like Jilabodji as crap as he is." I mean, would we have been any worse off with him than Browning this season? Or he's not, he's not been that bad in France either, you know. No, it, it's it, so different. It, it is. So I mean, true, very true. I'm not saying that we should have kept those players, but it does make you wonder if if we kind of shot ourselves in the foot by saying that. Basically, this this was a good point someone made to me a few weeks ago, but we've kind of like. We're, we're, all the blame's been put on the players that have left. Mm. Oh, they, their attitudes stink, they don't want to be here, this, that, and the other. But if we ever really thought about the reasons why they don't want to be here, would you want to play for Sunderland? No. You know what I mean? If, if I didn't have the emotional attachment to the area, it's, then no. I mean, it, it's just natural for us to like get very defensive of the club in that situation and say, well, we want rid of them, blah, blah, blah. And I, I've been like that, don't get us wrong, but I just kind of wonder if we'd have held some of these players against the will and went, now nah, you're going nowhere. Would it mm. be any worse? Do you know the the one thing that I think will relegate were and we'll look back on and at the time it wasn't really looked at as a big transaction, but it was getting rid of Manoni. Yeah. Like our goalkeeping is the worst in the league. I I, I did a little Aye. bit of digging. It's we've got like sixty two percent saves on shots on target. Well, Lee can't made a save yet. He's made well. He made, he made one straight at him in the first. Half, um, which was straight at him. He's conceded mm-hmm. seven and saved five. But I, doesn't it, it says it says some more goals than that? It says something yeah. massive about our recruitment policies that any other team in the football league, when they sell a player, they try and replace them or they try and have somebody mm. lined up with kind of equal or greater quality or with potential. We don't seem to do that. We'll get rid of Kazri, get rid of Lens, get rid of Barini. Not really have a plan of who we're going to bring in. Just kind of throw shit at a wall and hope it sticks. Really, mm. same with Manoni as Connor says, replacing him with Reuter and Steele. Neither of which are. If you imagine with good. Manone, if we were getting average goalkeeping we would be 6-7 points better off I think the games that we've lost because of goalkeeping Millwall like Mill, yeah, that's Birmingham away Millwall was a draw but I yeah. Birmingham away he conceded a stupid first goal like two really bad goals but you could, you could probably pick every single game of lost in goal you know and, and sometimes when I look at the, the stats on games although we have been poor sometimes there's not much in games and it, it's down to a bad goalkeeping mistake can't you know catch a corner yeah. a set piece well I've on the on the game, like I've I kind of avoided the uh, watching the goals back until uh, I was waiting at the front door in the studio for you to come in. I thought oh, I haven't even watched the goals back. I need to watch them again. Um, in particular, I watched for uh, just players who really missed the phase of play and then just didn't try to get back and help. Um, the first goal in particular, 
um, O'Shea and Catamol kind of get tangled up. Yeah. yeah. Um, which which happens, okay, but then there's still four or five seconds after that before the score. Um, Catamol's still on his knees on the floor. He doesn't bother to get up to stop anything happening. Um, and then the and then the next goal after that. Uh, Clark Salter I think it is plays a pass to Ethan Robson who's not really got any pressure on him he tries to play at the side of Catamol um, Robson busts a gut to get back Catamol just watches it go did away you, from did him did you see Catamol's pass in the first half when he was kind of he was trying to pass it out to the right winger and just completely I think that was in the second half was wasn't it was in the second yeah, half yeah, yeah it was in the second yeah. half yeah. into the corner for that, didn't he aye yeah, it was, it was but I mean there was, a, there was I, I said this on Twitter again earlier um, there was one in particular where, where I was just it was probably the only time I focused in the second half, to be honest. But McGeady was given the ball in a bad area, and there was three Brentford players around him. Loses possession, um, and the runner is right next to Catamol, like two yards away. And rather than actually trying to win the ball, he kind of like grimaces and throws his hands up, like as if to say to like McGeady, "What the fuck's that?" Like rather and like the ball runs away, but Catamol could have actually. Won the ball back. Done something and I, about I, it. That that really struck a chord with me. Like I watched, I really I zoned in on it, and I was like, "What's he doing? He's a leader, and he's what's he doing?" It just it really pissed us off when I seen him do that. M- McGee you know? is as well as kind of a, a character that's polarized opinion, even amongst rugby report writers. We had yeah. a bit of a debate beforehand, um, and there was there was a couple. Of, I think James Nichols, who usually appears on the pod, um, he was very much in favour of having McGeady in that creative outlet and Damien the former host of this podcast was kind of of the opinion that he doesn't really bring much and he doesn't work enough and mm. his quality is just a bit of a flash in the pan so where do we sit on McGeady go with Niall first um, I, I think you've got to play him I think you've got to play him just because literally the situation we're in and he has got it in him where McGeady can, can make something out of nothing uh, QPR early on the season at home we're losing 1-0 it was a typical Sunderland game we looked all right. We conceded a stupid goal from a set piece as, you, as we do, um, and then uh, yeah, McGeady pops up with a shot twenty odd yards out, back of the net, and he has got that in him. <sighs> yeah, you've got to play him for me. Just, mm. I mean, even when he has a bad game, you've got to stick with him because he has got that in him. Was so desperate. I think people are forgetting how desperate they were. Yeah. I'd, I'd, was it fifteen games left? Yeah, Four, yeah, 15, yeah. 14, 15. 15, 15 uh, is it? Yeah, well, yeah, fifteen games left. We're literally staring League One in the face. I mean, completely. You've got to play him. I'd, I, yeah, even if his attitude's not there, it refers back to what you were saying. Would you have a Lens or a Kazri mm. when they're in a Huff playing for it? Like, Probably at the moment, yeah. Yeah, you Beggars would. can't be choosing. Yeah, exactly. Connor, so desperate. McGeady, yeah or no? Uh, firstly, we've got 14 games left. <laughs> not 15. <laughs> That's why I got he's the a, table. He's a yeah, I came prepared to say because we always get that wrong. He just he loves correcting things. people. He's infuriating. No, go on, yeah or no? Yeah, yeah, I would say yes. I'd, I'd, I understand why not playing, but I mean, he's a flawed player. He's useless defensively, sort of looks half arsed a lot of the time, but he, he has a little bit of quality, and we are bereft of any quality, really. So yeah. this seems he's playing for Sunderland because he's shit, and, and that's, the much, like, that's the reason for all the players. They're shit, and that's why they play for Sunderland. So picking out fault, you know, we're not going to have a perfect player. He's one of the few who can score. You know, he's our second top scorer, and then after him, we've got what a guy on two, and then everyone's on one. Yeah, you've got to play him. He knows where the net is. He can take a set piece, which we've been crying out for. I mean, I don't know why Ethan Robson was on corner. So I guess saw him take mm. a corner at the south stand. I don't understand why, but he can take a set piece as well, and it, it's something you need when we haven't scored many from set pieces, and we're not scoring in general. You need a player like him because they can't score for no reason, and. Other teams will also try and mark him out the game because they know he's a threat, and you know that that's useful as well. Um, what are your thoughts I, on the game? I think he, I think I'm done with the lads. Like, I think he's got to play um, mainly because he's the only one we've got capable of scoring goals. I mean, that centre forward we've bought or got an unloan. My Christ Almighty, he's poor, isn't he? Very. Like, and we're relying on him, a sore manager who are like total unknown quantities. I mean, it's always been all right, but you can't rely on them to score your goals. Um, and then, you, then you're looking in your midfield. Honeyman get you maybe one every ten. Um, there's no goals in Catamol or Robson. Um, McNair, if he's fit, might get you a few. But I mean, you've 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 got to just take McGeady for what he is and play him. Um, his performance at the weekend was dross-like. But to be fair, for the first... 30 minutes or so of the game we didn't get off the edge of our own box I mean I remember years ago under Martin O'Neill um, 
Stefan Sessegnon having to play basically like at full back because the tactics were so negative medieval that really. just and people used to slate him and I used to think well what's he meant to do that's not his do best you know role on the pitch you know Advocate what I mean? had Defoe at left back uh-huh. at Arsenal Defoe was playing like that kind of yeah, left wing back. back I, I was oh, at that game man. but that was a necessary evil because it was, he job and put a shift uh, in and kept us up really. he was class I remember them I mean I mean we've, we've we've kind of just got to look at what we've got McGeady very creative very frustrating player who can score goals if Luala was fit I mean I've no idea if he's any good but by all accounts he's a he's a bit of an impact player we're going to have to get them in the team somehow because otherwise we're not going to score enough goals to steal when we had Danny Collins on the first thing he said about Luala was a good player fast and he's hard to deal with yeah I, to be honest Brighton fans loved him mm. I've only I've seen quite a lot of negativity from Sun fans about him I think um, that's just the, the ex-mag thing isn't it? but maybe I don't know I don't know whether it's that or it's the fact I mean you've got to kind of look at it and think he was given away because the team who haven't done one of him he's again he's, he's at Sunderland for a reason mm. but I mean the lads we've got aren't good enough some of them and I, I think you could make an argument to play McGeady Lualawa and Asoro through the middle because Asoro for all he's quite short my only worry with that would be there'd be no presence for the way kind of we play at the moment no but then again, Ashley Fletcher, you know, he's a he's a big enough lad, and he just offered nothing. It's it's in, interesting we're talking about this, like getting player the creative players in just for the sake of it. Um, I, I was listening to Nick Barnes on BBC Newcastle before the game, um, on my way, way at the ground, and he was talking about uh, you know, the way to win is it just to try and go for one nils and stuff because that's all we've done this season, really, you know. And then you've got to think if you're gonna if that's your way of thinking, like oh we're gonna go to places just to grind wins out. Uh, is there any place in the team for creative players? Is is it more the game where you would play a honeyman out wide rather than a McGee? Or you know, what I'm trying to say like but I mean, if we, I know what you're saying. If we're gonna go down, I would rather go down swinging. Yeah, but for me, I would rather would just like what's my next game again? Bolton midweek. Bolton are shit. So are we. That that three that three three at the stadium. Like we watched it together. Me me and the Bromley brothers. <laughs> I was infuriated. I th- I've never said so many swear words in my life. It was one of the worst games of football ever and they're still managed but you've got to just look at who you're playing and like right we're, we've got no confidence we can't play at the stadium like clearly and now we've won a couple of games in the last few months um, but can we can we not just go there and go right back to the wall like mm. we need to win these are going to Bolton Bolton are going to be playing with their heads up they're not playing too bad at the minute you know they're, they're, their form's picked up a little bit they're going to see this and think we can beat these and they've got the character to do it. We don't. But what we've got to do is just go there and say, sod it. Get the ball on the ground, play through, and try and have a go. Mm. Col- Coleman said after the game to BBC Newcastle, from the kickoff, we started slashing up passes. Passes. If I could see that in training, I'd say a pattern. I'd know what to expect. It looks like we're panicking. What is it with the stadium atmosphere, do you think? From Well, uh, but what is it with the stadium? On, they're like? on that case pretty much straight away. Like, But I don't blame people. It's Brentford? Aye, but they were shit from the first seconds yep. of the game. Yep. They were just shit. The team set the tone <laughs> for the way the fans yeah. Yeah. behave, in if my the, opinion. The the fans this season have got behind the team yep. early doors in games because normally they actually start okay and then we get sucker punched. That's happened so many times. This this weekend, they were you could tell. I see from the first four minutes that we were going to get beat. Yeah, unless something drastic changed. Like if you could make a substitution, well, if you were brave, make a substitution at that point because mm. you could tell straight away it wasn't working. We camped on the edge of our own box, weren't we? It says something about how poor we are as well, that Brentford had more possession, they had more shots, more shots on target, and they pretty much damn tools in the second half, which Brentford coach Dean Smith touched on. In the second half, we weren't anywhere near as good. We were a little bit sloppy in the ball. Decision-making went to pot. I mean, it sounds a bit like he thinks they're panicked, in a way, um, and they still, they still managed to come the out. The alternative was, though, he could have played like Bristol did in the second half against us. You know what I mean? So I think mm. I think they did the right thing. They sat off a little bit more. Well, yeah. Know? Well, Johnson said that didn't he after the Bristol game? He, he said he regretted it. He said he wanted blood. He wanted mm. you know he wanted six or seven. You know why wouldn't you? What what shit? As you keep yeah. saying, you know, <laughs> we're you're winning. We're beating them three 0 at half time and what shit? So yeah, let let's beat these six or seven. That's absolutely hammering. But we committed nineteen fouls in the whole game. The referee was poor. To be fair, I thought the referee. Well, the weekend. Yeah. Oh, he was shocking. Absolutely terrible. There was a. I remember there was a decision that went against I think it went against Catamore in the first half towards the South He gave side. a really poor decision in the lead oh. up the second goal mm. I remember Yeah it was they a foul on Catamore yeah. and they didn't give it I mean the referee wasn't to blame for the defeat don't get us wrong but I suppose one thing you realise when you drop down at this level is how decent you get refereeing you get in the Premier League Aye. compared to what yeah. you get at this level 
I don't think we've had a good ref this season, really. The officiating's dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Even adding, adding the minutes on at the end of the games, like, there'll be somebody down for five minutes and they'll add one minute on. And stuff like that. <laughs> it's like, you know, what? what? It's so, a, it, was, it was really... It was really hard to take that at the weekend. Yeah. I don't know about you, like, but I was, I was quite optimistic going into it. So was I. And uh, you, you talked yourself down it again because I mean, yeah. we you kind of talked me into it when you were talking about uh, the fact that Brentford are a possession team, and I was mm-hmm. you know done well against possession teams. Could get something this weekend. It just was clear that they had a game plan, and we looked like we just met each other two minutes before the game. It's the hope I can't stand. Aye. The, the the way we. The way we like you, you, you alluded to before, the way we were set up from minute one was just negative. Like camped on the edge of your own box. I, was that a direction from the manager to just go out and hold firm early doors? I, I it don't can't think, be surely. I, I don't think so. Remember, I, can you I remember the whole the, game? I think the players are just shiting it every time I, we walk on the pitch. We remember the whole game when we came out. It's the only time this season I've seen them come out the blocks firing, like proper have a go from minute one, and you knew. Like you said before about knowing in the first few minutes, we, I knew in the first few minutes that day that would get something because they looked up for it yeah. from right from the start. We were closing down the defenders when they were in possession, which we never do anymore. I mean, Fletcher sauntered around the other day. Honeyman was doing all the running from the front. Yeah, Honeyman was often the furthest man forward. You, to be fair to Honeyman, like and I would get slated for praising him, but he he does an all right job at what he's, he's asked he's to player do. He's player of the season for me. In, yeah. in a terrible season, he's. It could have been. I wonder if the result had been much different if he'd uh, not hit the ball. I thought it was a poor finish. By the that way, that was a terrible finish. He yeah. really sliced it. it I, was I just think when score. you when the ball drops, you're there with that much time. You've got to get he, he side score, foot, like, It's at my end that he side footed and it's just come off his toe, like the yeah, side of his toe, he, and it's kind of sliced it. Yeah, didn't he? he should have should have put that away. He missed one earlier. Where I mean, it wasn't really a great chance, but he hit like the side night, and it was a poor finish. I think we were two 0 down with that one. Yeah, when he just seemed like hit it across goal. Yeah. Try and get it over. That's, that's it. We don't have a lot of quality. Mm. It goes back to what we were saying about McGeady before. Would players like that would probably put those chances away in, in that situation? Um, I think ultimately, uh, no matter how you look at it, the the team were a bottom half at everything. I was looking before passing percentages were bottom six. Shoot, like the amount of shots we get on target were bottom six. We concede <laughs> like the third most shots per game on target. And haven't we scored a lot of goals though? Have we not? Is that a myth? Well, for where we are, when, when when Grayson was here, we were one of the league's top scorers, weren't we? I yeah, think that probably yeah. tailed off a lot. But we lost Graben. Yeah. Who I didn't really rate, but I suppose right now I would take him over. Well, <laughs> I, I, I saw an argument on Twitter to say we've let Vaughan and Graben go, who guaranteed sometimes goals and if nothing else, hard work, and we've replaced them with Fletcher, who doesn't guarantee neither mm. I think Graben's the miss I, I don't miss Vaughan Vaughan was shit he was nowhere near good enough for this level Graben for all of his faults could score a goal Fletcher yeah. didn't look like a lad who's out on loan to prove his salad does he oh no definitely not definitely he looked not. like a lad who panicked to sign because we had no other options yeah, which how many like times Wickham? have we done that I'm, uh, I'm very very worried about having to play him every week oh, aye. we've got no choice he can't, he can't play against Middlesbrough next weekend no he can't so I would if I was Coleman on Tuesday People might be listening to this after Tuesday, but I would play Madger because he's got he's got to play him Saturday. So mm. just play him Tuesday. We're not losing anything for not having Fletcher on the pitch. Play Madger. Don't worry about oh well he might get a knock blah blah blah. Play Madger. To be honest, when Madger come on, we looked all right. Mm. I thought he cut the nice he little did. touches. Yeah, he he, thing with Madger, he's very energetic when he's in possession of the ball. If you get what I mean, he'll he'll drop deep for it and play it off nice and quickly, and it gets you up the pitch locker when a player does that. I mean Fletcher. For a lad that size, doesn't want to win a header. Doesn't mm. want to. Doesn't want to get stuck into a defender. I mean, this this league, the one thing which separates the men from the boys in this division is can they deal with a battle? Like there's some very rugged defenders in this division. I mean, you you, you can't be a you can't even be a half decent team in the championship if your centre halves aren't a bit scary. rough around the edges, yeah. a bit scary. I and the real test of a centre forward in this division is can you can you deal with that? Every, you know, I thought even Graben struggled to that extent with the big defenders, but at least he's championship experience and and he Great knew how goals. to play against those players. Whereas players like Fletcher, because he's big, naturally he's going to get t- he's going to get pulled into battles. You know, up in the air. You know, shirt pulling, having to go fifty fifty for tackles. He he doesn't look up for it to me. He mm. Looks very scared of it, if I'm honest. Well, that's it. It's like Graben's like streets ahead of Fletcher isn't he I mean if you look at him and we used to joke about Graben we used to say like he's you know he's not very mobile he doesn't really move much I remember being on here and saying that we wouldn't miss him if he left yeah oh I know and and, you know we've replaced him with somebody that's not even half his quality 
No. You know what? What, what do we expect? Well, Ma- Madger, Asoro, and Fletcher have six league career goals out the out the three of them. So that's um. We're grabbing score more league goals than that in a short state, so on. on that positive note, we are going to take a quick break from... Well, so you can hear from our sponsors. See you in a minute. Hello and welcome back to part two of the Roger Report podcast. Um, in the break, Gav made the point that if we lose to Bolton, we'll be in League One next season. Gav, explain. Aye, I just think I think it's that, that important, isn't it? It's a... Uh... I mean, a lot, a lot of the talk going into the Brentford game was this is like season defining. To an extent, it it kind of is like because the importance of that game was can they build on the momentum they they gained in the Bristol game. But um, Bolton pretty much is season defining because they're down there with us, um, but they were a little bit ahead of us. Winning would drag them right back into it. Uh, losing would probably con and he's. I am trying to make a point. <laughs> Probably sucking on a sweet like it's a dick. <laughs> Looking right in my eyes while I do it. I was just trying to unnerve you. That's how serious we are about Sun's relegation. You've got to do podcast. something to stop you from going insane. And, uh, <laughs> what, and, uh, but no, in all seriousness, <laughs> in all seriousness, nah, it's pretty much a case of life and death, isn't it? It's like we we get beaten that game, and it's hard to see where the way back is. I mean, even even again, like you look at the table, we're basically but we're three points. Out of it, one you can probably say four with a goal difference. So, you know, can can we can we make that up? It's hard if we don't win a Bolton like. Shall shall we lighten the mood a bit? We'll we'll get back to more serious matters in a minute. But Hazy on Twitter asks, can anyone suggest something worse to do on a Saturday afternoon? Worse, worse. I'm yeah, watching us get beat. I like genuinely because I can't think of much. Watching the Mags win. <laughs> um. oh, I don't know about that. Well. Is that where, is watching Newcastle? It's it, actually when Newcastle win and we lose, it particularly it like hurts a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Mm. Especially I've got mates who are mags and the proper rubber in your face. But if you dies inside, doesn't it when that happens? Kind of. Just to go off on a tangent, I kind of regret piss taking as much as I did when they went down. Nah, you've got to do. No, because they're making sure that I that we know about it. Like, <laughs> like my mates, especially the bunch of twats. Like after every game, we're just. It's my group chat gets yeah, absolutely well, hammered off them. The thing is, though, you know, when we, we obviously we got six in a row against them. I, I, I stopped celebrating after because I thought, well, they're going to get one back, yeah. And then when I got to like five, I was like, I need to celebrate one of these derby wins, yeah, like because <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm, I'm missing out because I'm thinking, oh no, because if I celebrate, they'll get us back ten times and. It's the only positive no. relegation we're one, we're one league further away from them. I honestly think that record intact, you know. I honestly think I would rather stick pins in my eyes than go to the stadium light again this season. Well, it's genuinely how I feel. Hannah, Hannah asks on Twitter, best and worst rides at the Disney parks. Connor, I think you're the only one that's been at the Disney park. No, we've both been at Disney. Have you, like the Bromley Probably Brothers? Well. Bromley Brothers. Is there any photographic evidence of such trip? Probably is. For the, for the Bromley fans. Probably dig some out, eh? Aye, I think yeah, that we'll, might be possible. Uh, we'll after after you well. get that long bus ride home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, best, best and worst <laughs> Disney rides, we've got to keep the fans happy. We'll best and worst Disney rides? Well, Quickly, though, I don't want anything on Lebanon. Space Mountain. It hurts your neck, that space mountain. Yeah, <laughs> nearly put your neck. To be up. fair, I didn't like this. Fair as your back. I was only eight year old, so I can't remember that much. You, had, you cried actually. <laughs> you did. That doesn't, doesn't surprise, surprise me at all. <laughs> 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 like a cryer, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not. Right, he's actually the crier of the family. <laughs> I've never cried in my life. I don't know what you. Real men cry, anything. Niall. Yeah. Real men cry. Yeah, way. I'll be crying. I'll be crying in May when we're in League One. It'll be April when you start crying. Ben Dawson uh, asks, "What game do you think our relegation will be confirmed?" He's nice and cheerful. Oh god. <laughs> well, I've just said it. I don't know. Really? Does when he mean mathematically confirmed or? Well, uh, he doesn't. doesn't I specify. means like when will we actually be down? Yeah, we'll go mathematically. I reckon Burton at home, and when Darren Ben puts a winner in. God, didn't. That's, this is what I've what said. Is, that'll happen. How many times this season have all, all players come back and score? I said that'll man. be like full circle for where this disaster started. It was, was the moment he left. Aye. And it'll be full circle. It'll make a good Hopefully film. It'll end. End. Oh, yeah, yeah. It'll make a good film. Wait, we've still got Aston Villa at home as well and they've got grabbing. It'll be so, like... it'll be like Hi, the, hi, there's another one. Yeah. It'll be like the opposite of that Swansea film. Have you seen the Swansea film, Jack to a King? No, oh, yeah. Where it like charts the rise from nearly going out the Football League to Premier League. It'll be the opposite for us. Hi. Be, I thought he said this bit was going to be less depressing. <laughs> <laughs> he said, let's make I'm, this I'm, less I tried to lighten the mood. I'm trying to lighten the mood. Um, Wait, James got his, uh, his Welsh reference in, which he's, he tends to get in every year. Every podcast has <laughs> got to be one, hasn't there? The listeners Welsh. don't know he's Welsh. There's, 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 <laughs> there's, there's, it's the only Mel- Welshman born in Sunderland. 
hand. Right. Lives in hand. I'm not going in. I'm not describing yeah. again. <laughs> don't you live, don't bite. But for context, Gav sat here in a South Shields hat, and these two support. He actually is. I was born from in South Shields Hospital just to make that. But hang on a minute. I get slated for supporting Blythe, and you're like, wear a South Shields hat. I'm just. Letting everyone know where I was born. <laughs> but it says FC, it doesn't just say South Shield. Whatever. Who you are, I play for them. It's not even a nice hat, anyway. And it, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Your hat was. Right, there's a whoa, question what? There's a question from John that I want to get out there as well. How much money would it take to buy Sunderland and demolish the stadium? Probably about 20p at the moment. Right. Buy Sunderland and demolish the stadium? <laughs> yeah. How would you demolish the stadium? <laughs> Do you just not think though, like to I, get rid of the fuck? And when so I was, we'll have nicer Saturday afternoons. When I was walking back at half time, it struck me, like how much of a shithole location it's in. It's nice that it overlooks the river and such, like, but the like the industrial estates around it are being like demolished. There's a big scrapyard. It just looks oh, run down. Was, don't you, the club own that land that turned into something? Know. And I hate to bring it back to Newcastle again, but. I was in the press box against Burnley, and you come out. Yeah, you didn't mention that. Have I not? Well, I'll I'll mention it again. (laughs) To the best. (laughs) And you come out, and you're straight in the like the thick of everything, and it's a nice like metropolitan Mm. city. The Chinese quarters there. I think I think the the stadium height was it was no secret was made that it was built on a budget. Like it's starting to show its age now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like I I took a photo. I was in I was in a box for I can't remember what game was Ipswich. I was in the. um, I took a photo. And hide it on um, Twitter. And Luke Ball replied, and he was like, "I think that's the first time I've ever looked at the stadium light and thought it looks old." Because mm. yeah. and then I look, I look at the photo after he said that. Cause I actually thought it was a nice photo. Then I look at it, and like all the seats were pink, and then you just had that red block in the middle, and then like when the photoshopped the seats to make them look red, uh-huh. and that club photo. They did that, and the photoshopped <laughs> um, Grayson's assistant into it, who was in hospital. Ill. Yeah. A, they had like they had like the team photo, and then Glenn Snowden, like complete random. Random head on it. It was like him, but it's from another photo, and it was so obvious. I, c- I can't remember which time it was we won the cup. Either it was a thirty-seven or seventy-three, but they didn't have the cup for the photo for some reason. So there's like a cardboard cutout of it. Really <laughs> 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 obvious, yeah. We're so we're so classy. We've got a long historical precedent for this. Wait, the thing is, all the stadium light. I mean, maybe it's just because we've been so often. But like when I took my girlfriend there, like when she walked in, she was in shock. Like was she's from Wolverhampton. And she's seen the Molyneux, and when we walked past the Molyneux a few weeks later, she was like, it's tiny compared to your ground. Mm. Molyneux's a dump and all, like. Oh, oh mate, it's awful outside uh, there. I, w- I was there for Jodie Craddock's testimonial a few years ago. Yeah, oh. uh, Phillips uh, up, I, They only had one stand open, oh. and I was in the, I was in corporate, and I was overlooking the um, the stand ahead in front of us, and there, that was pretty much, that's pretty much the same as Stadium Light. They've got, like, orange seats, but they're all, like, they're all like it's pale, not, it's not pale obvious, orange now. Yeah. They've renovated it a little bit. They've got a little Yeah, they have I. They've, they've uh, looked after. When I was there, it's changed a bit. Like, mm. but, um, right, uh, back, to, back to more serious matters. There's Tom on Twitter who's aptly called Tom Deland, which I quite like. <coughs> asks, What now? Can we legitimately try? What can we do in League One, basically, is his question. So he's already talking about being down now. What do you right. mean? Wait, what we're going to do when we go down? Aye. Uh, do, do you think we'll be able to compete? Well, we thought we'd be able to compete in the Championship? No. Nah. Well, I mean, we were talking about this in the car, and I said I, I wrote an article in July or June saying the downward trajectory is what it was called, and I was talking about a relegation at League One. So it's kind of been on everyone's minds. I know people might say we all thought it was going to be a lovely, easy time, but reality was I think most of us felt it was going to be difficult. I don't know if we thought we'd be in this position, but... I dread to think what would happen if we went that far down. I think financially it'll absolutely cripple us. We're already teetering on the abyss. Mm. We're, we are, as a football club, relying on Ellis Short writing a cheque every month to pay the bills Aye. the last set of accounts showed that he was he was forking out three million pounds every month just to cover our losses I mean obviously that'll have changed we've, we've made a lot of job cuts at the stadium they've sold a fair few players and not really invested anything transfer wise you know but um, it's going to be difficult to say how you, how you compete even in the ch- if we stay up difficult to say how we compete in the championship if we go down could be the end of this club and that's that's, that's my fear that's not something I know I just fear that how does a club with that size stadium, the amount of debt it's got, um, the fact that we've got no saleable assets to bar the players out on loan at the minute, of which we haven't started receiving any money for, so you know that might that might help us a bit, but I don't I don't know how a club this size copes. In the it, third, it, in the it feels third, yeah. like it feels like a step into the unknown and a step into the abyss as well. well I was really I was I was talking to me my friend Michael Stelman at the game. Um, and he mentioned that he's he's had a season ticket since the stadium light opened. He's twenty eight. Um so in his like conscious thought following Sunderland, he's only ever seen us finish third in the championship as the lowest. He's seen us finish that's the lowest he's ever seen yeah, us finish. Two thousand and four. 
Oh, Aye, something like that. And yeah. we're going to be in League One. Yeah, we're, it it skipped an entire generation. Mm. You know, it's been over 30 years since we played 30-year football. But back then, it was a lot easier to cope with than it is now. I mean, there was no Premier League, there was no parachute payments, there was no, you know, p- clubs. Out. We weren't buying players for millions and millions of pounds every transfer window and then losing money on them. Like, it was a lot easier to cope then, I would imagine. Well, you start looking at comparisons as well, that's a scary thing. I mean, when you think of Portsmouth and Coventry and that, because that, obviously you, you don't want to do it, but you can't help it, can you? No. And you look at them and you think, I mean, was it Portsmouth who, who was it sold that training ground? I mean, we've got we've got a multi-million pound training facility there. That, that might be something to actually look at doing. There is somebody that did that, wasn't there? I mean, teams that Huddersfield don't know. closed the academy and stuff, and they've gone yeah. Premier League. No, but they, they closed their academy with it. It's a bit like we spoke about last week with Brentford having the alternative plan mm. rather than using the, the mm. academy system. Um, I mean, I think the academy might be all right because it's proven that it can make money. So I think I don't think the overheads of that place are probably going to cripple us too much. But the wage bill will. We'll still be paying Jack Rodwell money. I know that there was talk that. Uh, there is a clause that would say his money cut next season, I think, if it went down. Um, but not by a great much amount, you know. Imagine, pay, imagine if that's not the case, and we're paying him seventy grand in well, the, League One. The, this Barker guy on Twitter makes the uh, makes the point: Jack Rodwell on seventy k a week next season in League One. Which month of the which month of next season will we go into administration? That's the fear, isn't it? But we need clarity from the the board. Essentially, ah, you'll, we're get, all, you'll get none of that. I know we won't, but we're all in the dark now because we're all having to guess really about what the financial situation is because we're not seeing the accounts for like coming up three years now. It's not even that. It's the fact that when when Martin Bain speaks about finance, because that's the only time we ever hear about it, and he speaks about it, and when he does, he speaks in terms that the layman can't understand. Like, aye. Unless you're very, very clued up on finances, you don't know what he's talking about. Ah, uh, well, he is going to be at the Peacock with Wise Men say, and Chris Coleman. Yeah, yeah, mm. I think I'll try and get along to that. Uh, like, I think, uh, um, I think I'll be going to that. Yeah, I think I'm going to get a ticket. But I mean, strong roger report contingent of Wise Men say. Wise Men say. Have a flare, <laughs> Stephen Goldsmith. I'm coming. Be to interesting. Be interesting uh, after because we haven't we haven't even mentioned this, but I don't think. But um, the guy approaching being in the second half of the game at the oh, weekend, right next to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, people listening, do you want to tell them what happened? Because some people might not be aware of it. Uh, it's basically just. I think he was sitting in the. Um, he was sitting in the the director's bit, I think, and he just. Right. And he just got sick. He just stood up and started shouting at him, and then Bane left. Right. I think the guy left and Bane left in a huff. Yeah. It makes you wonder. Like, I know it's obviously going ahead this thing, but it makes you wonder how how stage managed it'll be. You know. Um, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see because what what would be good. And what I think he needs to do and take on the chin is he needs to sit in front of normal fans like us. Like, you know what I mean? People buying tickets, not SLG members and branch liaison group members and Red Might Army committee members. Like, literally sit in front of fans who've got no representation other than who they just want to sit there and go, what the fuck's going on with this club? He needs to do that. That's what people people are crying out for. I mean, we're all talking about protest this and that. In my eyes, the... The, the big thing missing at the minute with Sunderland and has been for a long time now since probably Niall Quinn left is that who do we look upon for ah, the bridge the bridge and the gap there's nothing that's why there's so much uncertainty that's why nobody knows what's going on it's because they don't talk enough they don't and being being uh, he is shorts you know lucky essentially the puppet, isn't he? shorts out the way and he's the one taking the shit but I mean he's He's got a face. He's got a front up. Whatever, whatever happens at this, this do. I hope he answers the questions properly and sincerely. And people are very. And to be honest, what you've just said there about going to League One, nobody knows. I think we have to be told. You know what? What's the plan if we go down? They have to have one because if they don't, I mean, privately they probably do. But we, we as fans, have no idea. Literally, but we, I- we, we're sitting here now talking about administration and going out of business. I mean, don't you think that's kind of? Well, that's not the plan, obviously. To- go out of business or go into administration but isn't the plan just to kind of let nature take its course as long as they're saving money yeah I think that's Ben's mantra isn't it save Mm, money at all costs nothing's going to get better off the pitch until it gets better on the pitch they've they've said that from the start the thing is does Martin Bain need this I mean if you think about it he's he's quite well paid though he's quite well paid exactly so he's probably earning a fortune so I mean the thing is if he's getting people coming up on the games and that giving them shit at games is he not just going to turn out Coleman said he's a big boy and hack it I think I think I think he, he 
he came into this job with his eyes wide open, knowing exactly what he was here to do. I think if he's not aware, he wasn't aware of it then. He is now, okay. and uh, he, I think, he, I think he, he'll he, carry on. He'll carry on because once he leaves Sunderland, he'll get he'll probably get a very nice bonus. Precisely. And let's face it, Martin Bain, he's not from the area. He doesn't care about Sunderland. He's not bothered. He's here to do a job. He's got a mantra. He answers to Ella Short, nobody else. So why would he? Why would he want to be accountable to us? Would you rather have him or not have him? What Martin Byrne? Yeah, if, I'd so rather he took himself. Back I to don't Scotland see what Martin Byrne yeah. like, really done any different. In all honesty, I'm not a fan of Martin Byrne. Don't get us wrong. I think he's a knob, and I, he plays off the these supporters meetings very well. I think he kind of gives them like side information that makes them feel special, which is why we don't get. He's, a, he's an intelligent it. bloke. Yeah, but I think could he have done anything different? What would have happened any differently if Margaret Byrne was here instead? I don't think. Anything. Uh, this leads me on to a question from Jordan Ramsey, actually. Do our scouts need to be held as accountable as Short and Bain because our silence for multiple seasons have been shite? Yeah, but it's... it's How a, much of a comment from scouts, though? It's, it's one manager's... You know, you've got Dick Advocates players and then you have Sam Allardyce's players. It, it does, it seems to be reliant on the manager or cronyism, whoever's in at the time, when we were looking at Walter Smith to help us because he's Scottish and we were linked with Ali McCoyst and Derek McInnes because they were Scottish and Martin Bain knew them. Well, I think I think we've kind of got a committee as well, the call it, don't they? It's like the manager Bain and then... Whoever the, I mean, but why is Martin Bain is? involved? He shouldn't be involved in transfers any more than just working out the transfer fees. He shouldn't be involved. I mean, we, we, to be honest, we actually don't know the specifics, but but I think this is the problem at the club. There's there's not enough football-minded people there. Yeah, oh, exactly. They do need somebody, just somebody who gets football. They've got Kevin Ball sitting there, who could do absolutely anything for the club, and they're just saying he's, a palm him off as a club puppet. He's only an only an ambassador. Well, it was pulling paints, wasn't it? Was it? Oh, I know. It's um, just. Every time that the they just seem to make mistakes, and they're still making mistakes now. And there's no reason to believe that this group that has been making mistakes for the last ten years will stop making mistakes. So we're sort of just sitting here trying to hope that they'll stop and they won't stop until they're gone. Mm. Well, nothing, good. nothing changes for the better until they're gone. Is the top and bottom of it, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, we're just hoping at the minute now that we've got maybe youngins or something coming through that can improve on the pitch, and, and that's the only hope we've got because yeah. we know we're kind of buying any quality. Yeah. Do you know what could be? It would be absolutely drastic, but we as fans are kind of craving to have control of the club back. And you know, it would almost be nice if the we club never had did control of the club in the first place. Though. No, but it would be nice to get the control. Feel like you've got because even when Bob Murray's there, you, he's a Sunderland fan. You can relate to him more. Uh, you, want, you want to feel like the, you you listen to. Is yeah, what you mean. and imagine you know if the worst did happen and the club did go through and they ended up going down the route of like Darlington, at least we would have control. It's it probably well, won't happen, but at least yeah. Well, the day Alice Short became sole owner of the club was the day he stopped being accountable mm. really yeah. because when Murray was chairman at least there were fans on the board who attended directors meetings now I mean he can do what he wants and nobody has any say in the matter but is it not you know scary in a sense that it looks like no matter what we do we always end up in this situation I mean if Ellis Short hadn't come in well Neil Quinn with his consortium but you know we probably would have looked at League One that season before we got Roy Keane Drummerville were going yeah. under anyway before Short got it well yeah they exactly lost out in the bank so maybe crisis. maybe we just we can't you know we're the type of club where we can't afford to be where we are and that's why we keep on ending where we are and if we do get a new owner that comes in and you know buys with for whatever and spends all this money 10 years time the same thing will probably be happening yeah. why does it keep on happening just be mismanaged it, you can solve it that They've had enough good players, and they've had they've spent enough money to not be in this position. They've just recruited badly, and they've sold players at the wrong time and sold the wrong players. There's so many mistakes that have went into it. Yeah. But the the issue that the thing is, there's so much speculation about every minor. The reason that we even speculate is none of us yeah. just some leadership and clarity from this situation. Whether that leads, I think um, the fans have kind of lost any patience than it originally had with them. Um, and he's kind of paying that price now and you know we as fans will always be there I'll always be there you will always be there we'll always be sun and supporters you never know you might end up and, in uh, <laughs> we've, we've we've just got unfortunately we've just got to sit and be patient and the nature of what we do sitting in front of a podcast mic every week and writing articles on a website means we cannot detach ourselves from it mm. and that's what that's what for me hurts the most I, I'm, I, I, I kind of feel like all of this will become worth it eventually. Well, you know, it'll come round in a, in a full circle, and eventually we'll be all right. When well, you, you hope, you hope for another Wembley moment or something like that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we, we've just unfortunately because we aren't the owner of Sunderland Football Club, Sunderland Association Football Club. Sorry, because we aren't the owner, we have to just sit and wait and see what happens. Unfortunately, and 
there's very little we can do other than uh, other than if one of us knows somebody very rich that would buy the club. Um, I don't. I'll do a text. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Collins was on the other week. See how much he's got. Uh, if he fancies it. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, all the clubs sometimes all like Martin Bain. I think they're sitting there. They're thinking this is this is actually quite easy. This because us as fans. I mean, I know you talked about the um, the protest and that the other week. I mean, we're not protesting. I mean, that thing that happened the weekend with Martin Bain is the only thing I've heard. Of fans saying something to the board, you know, it is. So they've literally, I feel like we have been lying over and getting my bellies tickled. You know mm. what I mean? We have been letting them just get away with it because we're just we're taking the shit. Whereas, sorry to refer back to Newcastle, but I think James or somebody brought it up a few weeks ago. Actually, I think it was you, Gav, and he'd said that Newcastle have spoke about it for years and years and years, and they've protested and protested, and they finally got their wish. I mean, they're for sale, and you know, Ashley is trying to sell the club. Whereas for us, what like I say, we're just taking it. We're just sitting there. We're just letting, well, you know, we're, we're letting Bain and Short do whatever they're doing to the club, and we're not actually saying anything. So you know, that, they probably are sitting there in the offices thinking, "Well, this is pretty easy because you know mm. they're just taking exactly I, what they do." I can't understand why there was such protests against Bob Murray, like yeah. all them years ago, and this is worse. This what? is ten times worse. Yeah, but I think I think we've just been very well manipulated and beaten down. I mean, I I, I sat till the end at the weekend. I mean, I look around us, it's the same faces every week, turn up like I do, regardless. I mean, other than the booing of the players, and there was a brief, you're not fit to wear the shirt chant. Uh, in fact, there was a lad by me, started the chant, saying, number one is fucking shit, number two is <laughs> the Gary Rowell tune. Other than that, I heard very little in the way of dissent, booed off at half-time, booed off at the end, but I mean, there's that's targeting the players on the pitch, and not the not the ownership of the club and I think the problem is is there's very little there's n- people are looking for guidance I mean we we uh, put a poll out around the subject of protest just asking people if they'd support it not didn't specify what would, would you know certain types of protest but we said if there was a protest against the regime in so many words would you support it 69% of people said yes but then delving further into it we surveyed the fact we put a survey out which I think has got around 2,000 responses at the minute um, one of the questions in there was um, what form of protest would you support um, and surprisingly the most um, popular picked option was to um, stage a protest in the ground was it really? the second highest was um, to boycott a game mm. are they doing that anyway? But, no, but like what you but when this is what I'm saying. We're, we're all talking about protests, but it would appear to me that nobody knows what they would be protesting about, what what the best form of protest would be. Um, yeah. well, I, I, I think I think that although that there, there are people who want to protest, I, I think you, we if us four now said right, we're going to be here at this time. I don't think there'd be many people behind us. I think I think people are struggling to see the point in it all yeah yeah I agree I think because I'm I mean I'm not a writer like you lads um, I'm just literally Connor's brother but you know like so I am that's I a am. poor claim to fame you put that in your Twitter bio <laughs> oh, yeah. I am nothing but Connor's brother <laughs> but, so I am literally just a fan um, I mean I know you lads are we fans are as well fans. but yeah but the, the thing Connor's is Connor's a like, fan of Blythe <laughs> well me too to be fair but <laughs> the, the thing is like is, is a fan I'm waiting for somebody to, to take it and, and for somebody to stand up and become a leader or whatever and say right this is what we're doing and I will I will join it I don't think boycotting a match will do anything because the only people that are turning up at the minute I think are season ticket holders anyway so they've already getting their money yeah. so you know I don't agree with boycotting a, a game I think I did I, I tweeted you a few weeks ago saying something like maybe try and pack the stadium alight and um, try and see what happens you know like get people in the stadium right and, and show the players and like we're still there sort of thing but I mean that's not even going to work either for, for me I, I would like to see something like a kind of an organised get together or gathering in a show of support with Chris Coleman and a kind of a show of so I know this sounds like massively cheesy in group therapy but supporting each other as well get together big group of fan, fans possibly in Keel Square something like that before a game march over as one bang a drum do whatever you want, get the instruments out, have a chant, just to show that we're still here, we're still Sunderland, and I think that would that would help kind of raise the spirit of the fans. Well, on that on that uh, note, on the, the survey we did, I think a march. One of the options was to march from the town to the stadium. Um, I think that was maybe like the sixth was highest. Yeah, I mean, I know we're, we've only we're only about two thousand people, but that's a fair 
you know, of, of, the amount. Core, of a core group of Sunderland fans, that's a good representation. Yeah. The thing yeah. is, there's only going to be whenever you have these protests, there's only two, three thousand that do it anyway. Yeah. Like some people won't. As we were talking about the other week, some people go watch Sunderland and are just merely there to have a nice Saturday afternoon out. Me, I, I, I literally I go with my dad, my brother-in-law, my nephew, and about five of my mates, and we're literally it's just an afternoon out. You know what I mean? Yeah, but some people though aren't is that's what I'm saying. It, it, yeah, it, the, the reason we go to the game is, I, I, I says this to the lads. I says we we were just talking through the second half, just having a bit of crack, and I says like this is this is all I'm getting out of it at the minute. It's literally sitting with you for an hour and a half and having a bit of crack. Yeah. That's all. That's all I'm getting out of going to games at the minute. Couple of couple of beers before the game. Aye. Yeah. Definitely. Literally, it's all I'm getting out of my match experience at the minute. I don't yeah. enjoy the football. I mentally detached as soon as we went one 0 down because I knew that was it. Yeah. Um. In the top tier this week it's slightly on a different note I'd noticed there's only one bar open in the Premier Concourse now we had a pint before the match we went we got there about about, about half two we got on the ground um, we went in we don't sit in the south stand but we went in through the turnstile in the south stand to get a pint nobody in the queue there was probably about 15 people milling around and I, I was like one of my mates hasn't been all season and he came out the weekend because he had a free ticket and he went, I can't believe how dead it is. Exactly yeah. the same here. I, I haven't been since the Birmingham game, um, the 1-1. Yeah. And that, that attendance was boosted because it was Christmas and stuff. Like, But one thing I couldn't believe was like on a Premier League day, you'd be queuing in two minutes before the yeah, game yeah. in the turnstiles. Oh, thousands. Just walk straight in. Just literally nobody there. Even the bars outside the ground. You know, you go into the... There isn't a bar anymore. Well, Aye, that's, it, that's shut now. The fans, fans zone. Are, are you talking about just like pubs? Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm talking about the, what is it the tavern or something? The white yeah, the tavern. tavern. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, like even even there before the game. I mean, I was we went before the game against QPR. I had a look in there, and it you know it just looks dead. Like you know you couldn't get moved. I mean, they used to have a tent outside there and all sorts, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, a bottle okay. bar and that. They've had a tent earlier earlier in the season. There was a tent out there. And, was there? Right, so. It's obviously the across the season they've dwindled even further. And yeah, I think they announced attendance at the weekend were twenty was over twenty seven thousand. I don't think there was that much. It was nowhere near that in the ground. Brentford brought a canny few. They brought Neither one and a half thousand. Right. But they count all the season ticket holders, don't they? Well, even if they don't turn up. Well that that's that I think they do. I mean there's no confirmation that but I think they do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um so. but there's rows and rows of empty seats now on the ground and it's only getting it's only gonna get worse. It's mm. horrible. Um, it seems a shame end on, a, on a negative but I mean that's just the reality of it really anybody listening to this who isn't isn't in the North East or doesn't get the games anymore because a lot of people abroad listen to us you know that's the reality of it now it's a ghost town mm-hmm. I mean the, I would I would, I might tweet it out after the game actually, after this sorry but um, we had an article it was around Christmas time just after Christmas Tom wrote for the site uh, one of the editors on the site Tom Atkinson he um, lives in Florida now but he's from Sunderland and he came back over Christmas um, and he wrote his experience up and he couldn't believe it. Like Probably the best best way I've seen someone put it that was, was in that article. article. Most people probably already read it, but I'll tweet about it after, the, after this. But, I mean, that does sum up what it's like to go to the match now. Yeah, yeah. Thoroughly depressing. Cool. You're there you're, you're there out of, uh, out of unbridled love, really. You're just there because Sunderland are your club. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. nobody's enjoying it nobody's enjoying the football on the pitch nobody's enjoying the experience of it how do you think yeah season ticket package you'll look you know and they send you through the we had this conversation afterwards at the weekend I, I was saying like because obviously last season we had to make my fa- I think because I pay like the the four yeah, stage payments and I think the first one came out in April no so, way they're getting that off me well it, it does make you wonder what they're going to do because around April well March time it'll be soon won't it it'll be, the, um, you should get the thingy through in the next month mm, it'll be interesting to see what the prices are like yeah. I mean the, surely they can't expect people to renew by April well surely this season. what will the price be are they still going to I mean I pay four thirty at the minute but I'm in the more superior seat I suppose they would argue but three fifty is it for like the basic top tier bottom tier sorry uh, I, I, well I'm, I'm in the southwest, so that's a concession I think it works out something like 87 quid per payment so you're like three thirty or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, it's not too much, but I mean, I reckon, I reckon whatever the the season ticket holding contingent is this season, that'll half. We said twenty. Regardless, if we're still by the skin of our teeth, that's not going to inspire anyone. You no, know? it's not going to inspire anybody. Right, going to do my little feature that I did a couple of weeks ago, where I give you twenty seconds to answer a question. Go on then. And then you've, you've got to make a nice compelling argument, Timmy, 
in the time allotted Bromley <coughs> well Connor Bromley fudged this the last time he did no, it man Gav before went off didn't it <laughs> I'm not having this it's funny that like, it was but, and before only went off to tell us that Rodwell was starting for the other 23 I know, I know. And <laughs> it's funny I, I'll be the judge I didn't even make the decision last time because we got too caught up with being divvies <coughs> basically but we'll end on a bit of positivity I want to know what your best moment supporting Sunderland is in your lifetime and you have to have been at the game right in person to have experienced it so to speak and we'll start with Gav you Gav have Allah. you have 20 seconds <laughs> darting from now uh, undoubtedly it's the semi-final at Mania when the penalty was saved by Manoni cried my eyes out like a child turned to me left turned to me right there was blokes crying everywhere I hugged a man who must have been 6 foot 6 never met him in my life this was after tumbling three rows of stairs I'd been mortal all day soon as the penalty started so wet up uh, best night Stop. of my life Ah, nice. I got that in just I said nice. name your life just nice. <laughs> right who wants to go first out of the Bromley Bros go on Aitken I'll go first I don't mind got mine in my head go on then go first but I'd be concerned if you had it anywhere else like <laughs> <laughs> anyway right Connor Bromley you have 20 seconds starting from now I would say the 3-0 against Everton when we relegated the Mags because A we relegated the Mags B everything looked rosy we had a good looking team good strong bodies and the future looked very bright and since then it's all just went to absolute shit but that night was phenomenal I remember watching the replay back on Sky good times there we are 17 seconds not and I, well, last time I got caught didn't I so trying to be concise right very compelling very strong arguments from Go both on, what has Niall the debutant got you uh, have 20 seconds starting from now I'm going to say when we beat Newcastle 2-1 Barini scored because it was such a bad game and we were rubbish and they were rubbish and it looked like it was putting out a one-one draw Fabio Barini hits one 25 yards out top corner I started drinking the Eagles at 8 o'clock in the morning it was unbelievable <laughs> But class, definitely. 16 seconds, very nice. Beat him. No, it's it's a tough one because. Is it our case of being quick? Well, you're the one that boasted. I mean, yeah, you, you started it, right? <laughs> it's, it's a tough one for me, this one, because I get Bromley. I get. Um, sorry, I get Connor's argument, but I wasn't at that game. No, it's but I still celebrated it in Swansea like a madman. The Barini one was the first time I'd ever seen us beat the Mags at home because I wasn't mm. there for the Richardson one. But I think Gav wins it with the United yeah. away because I, I was. the competition, by the way. Oh, I am, I'm the judge. Oh. The the, oh, the the winner has to when the winner gets my choice. Is well, I try to be a bit less obvious. I mean, no, I like I liked it. You definitely yeah. finished second, and and Connor's definitely yeah, third. Like so, well, yeah, because I was expecting like G Don one against Man City, and you oh, know, what a day. But oh, some someone might have won without you know if they don't. If they're <laughs> just, <laughs> are you with G Don one? No, I was lying in bed. Home move out was uh, New Year's Day, wasn't it? Yeah, he I was Martin O'Neill's. I had a season ticket, and yeah, it was through my period of uh, your period Saturday night. Nail has periods. I do have. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I Gav, Gav wins that one, so yeah. we'll, we'll start making a little league. I don't know who won the first one. It was me, I think. Me, because I got a bang on twenty seconds, and that was the only one too. No, Nichols was good. He just three seconds. Aye, oh. Nichols wasn't. Nichols was concise but wasn't very compelling didn't he say they're big we're little it didn't really make sense uh, so like, well Gav's tuning up in the um, in the 20 second series oh, you're going to win the 22nd cup at the end of the podcast season oh, get in. <laughs> right uh, thanks for joining us once again we're on Twitter at Roker Report we're on Instagram at Roker Report we're on Facebook forward slash Roker Report and we're on Snapchat no we're not on Snapchat no, we have just made that up haven't I? Yeah. does anybody want to run a Snapchat account for the, for the Roker Report you can if you want yeah. there's, get, there's get in touch um, I, we've got some great content on the site at the moment, so stay tuned. Am I missing anything? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the Bolton score going to be? Oh, I, yeah. We've not done that we're yet. Nah, <laughs> we don't even really... care about Bolton. Right? <laughs> we'll, we'll do, we need a win. We'll do a very, a very concise roundtable um, score prediction. Niall, go. We'll get beaten there. Uh, Sammy Amiobi scores the goal. Yep. Connor. Nil, nil. 3-0 down. I think we'll lose 3-0. I think it's going to be a thump and we're going to be slashing my wrists on Tuesday night. I mean, you'll be happy. Well, my three-word review of this podcast is positivity all round, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's it, like. Right, thanks for joining us once again and we'll catch you next week. Cheers.
Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of non-stop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code SUMMER. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.